was your trip? It was good. It was really fun. Hudson's adorable. It is so cute. There's so many adorable shops and really good food. Like, I feel like we just spent the weekend eating, which was nice. great. That's the awesome. It's the best. Yeah, it was fun. I was hoping for like a little more fall weather, but I know, I know we're, we're going to Boston tomorrow for just a few, a few days, a trip, and it's going to be like 80 degrees tomorrow. I know. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't what I wanted, but <laughs> yeah. Right. That'll be fun though. Yeah. I'm excited. I've, I've never been. Yay. That'll be so fun, but I'm very excited about today's episode. We have our second guest, the lovely faith signs. Um, you guys will hear a little bit more about her once we get into the episode. She's one of my really good friends and we had just a really good conversation about getting involved with social issues and like ways you can actually make an impact. So I'm also like super excited about this new series. We're kind of starting on this podcast. We're calling it let's get educated. So basically we just want to highlight social issues and have real conversations about them. And I mean, we're all learning and I think having conversations is the first step. So I'm excited. Um, Me too. This was a good episode. It's awesome. Faith is great. We love faith. And yes, before I keep rambling, why don't we get into our wreck? So we actually <laughs> connected before this and we have the same wreck. So you want to go for it? <laughs> no, we, I can do a different one actually. It's oh, okay. She has I, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yes, we both did have the same wreck 15% fudge. Maddie will talk about it. Um, okay. But I'm just going to throw out another Instagram account that I followed. They're awesome. It's the Equal Justice Initiative account. So they worked on mass incarceration, excessive punishment, and racial inequality. Um, this organization is also led by Brian Stevenson, who all my fellow MSU alums probably know as the author of Just Mercy, which is a book that... Wait, he's an MSU alum? No, no, no. He's not an MSU alum. Oh. I was going to tie that in. Um, he, so that, <laughs> that book, we all had to read my freshman year. Like that was like our oh. freshman year. Maybe it wasn't for you. I guess maybe. They, no. Well, maybe I didn't uh, think about that. They might change it every year. Yeah. Well, at least for, for my class freshman year, that was like our class orientation book that we all read and they had all these lectures and it's a great book. Go read it. Um, but yeah, this, this is an awesome account. They do really cool posts about just like history that we should all be aware of and educated on. And it's just a good, a good account to follow and educate yourself. Yeah, no, that's a really good one. I do love Brian Stevenson and yes, the, and the movie just mercy. I think everyone should watch it. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. So my rec, as Jordan mentioned, is the 15% pledge. So I actually talked about it a little bit in the episode, but it's just an example of like a small way you can make an impact and support black owned businesses. So the website for the 15% pledge says black people in the U S make up nearly 15% of the population. So we are calling on major retailers to commit a minimum of 15% of their shelf space to black owned businesses. So I talk about being intentional with my purchases a lot. I feel like on this podcast, like I'm just trying to do that more. So I think this just adds another layer to that. So definitely check it out. I'll link the uh, website in the show notes and it has all of the businesses and retailers that have committed to the 15% pledge. So definitely interesting. And it might be 
it might be some stores that you already shop at like Sephora target. There's a lot on there made well, like I didn't even know. Um, so it's just interesting to see what retailers are committing to this. Well, and they also do like, at least lately they've been doing, um, like companies that are hiring. So companies that have taken a part of the 15% pledge and are also hiring, like they kind of promote them and have like these partnerships. So that's cool too. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, those are our recs and we will get into today's episode with Faith. a very special guest today. Welcome Faith. Faith is one of my best friends since freshman year of high school. How, how long have we known each other? We were just saying this the other day, like, like 11 years, 11 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But we're so excited to have you today. First off, we just kind of wanted you to like introduce yourself and kind of walk through what you do and what sparked your interest in it. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. So happy to be here. Love Crew Girls podcast. Just love it. Um, but so my name is Faith Signs. I am originally from Michigan. I don't know if you guys said exactly where you're from, <laughs> but I think we're all Michigan girls. But yes, I'm from Michigan. Um, I actually currently am in the nonprofit industry. And so I've kind of switched from uh, private sector to the nonprofit status. I'm actually a senior program director for a current nonprofit within the Michigan area. Um, And typically, and Maddie will tell you this, I always told everybody and what I actually went to school for was to be an attorney. And so how I ended up in the position I'm in now is, I don't know, life, I guess. Uh, But I guess we'll get into that um, eventually as well. But I don't think that there was something in particular that was like, hey, I want to do nonprofit. Um, Because when you think of nonprofit, you really think of local. And I never wanted to stay local. So I never thought nonprofit uh, to begin with. But COVID happened and I was home and I wasn't working and no one was hiring. And then nonprofit happened. And so that kind of really um, expanded on what I'm currently doing now. And um, basically what my uh, field is in, I work with uh, opportunity youth and opportunity by definition, opportunity youth by definition are 16 to 24 year olds, typically in need. So typically looking for a needs based, whether it's basic needs or expansion or access to opportunities. And this is actually the first time I've worked one-on-one with youth. Um, my background, as mentioned, was primarily within the law industry. And in doing so, I work with a lot of different people from various backgrounds. So I've never specifically worked with only one area of people. And that is the population that I currently serve, which are these youth that we kind of talk about. Um, but overall, my biggest uh, idea was always to be in a a position of helping people. I guess I just never knew how to define what that looked like. And I don't think you really can put a definitive, you know, idea of what is helping people mean because everyone's going to have their own idea and definition of what that looks like. And so excited to kind of see what we talk about and and how we kind of can expand on that. I know we're going to be touching base on a lot of social justice issues and social injustice. And so I think that's an important topic, especially today and and ongoing to historical and current events and 
kind of moving forward in that sense. Amazing. How does it feel to be doing something that is actually making a difference? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I just feel like Maddie and I are sitting here like, oh my God, we need to go like work for a charity immediately. Listen, the work never stops. And like I said, I have never worked in this field before ever. So nonprofit for me is just like, okay, I've, I've always known that I've wanted to help people and in what capacity, I don't know. But from a young age, like, especially just the upbringing of myself and my family, you know, like our identity was always very known within my household. So, you know, we kind of talk about like in an academia sense, we talk about intersectionality and some people are like, well, what does that mean? So it's really trying to identify all of the different identities that you encompass, but also recognizing that you can't exist in one without the other. So yes, I am a woman, but I'm also a Latina and I'm young and I'm this, but you can't pull these different strings away without really having, you know, your rope. So when you're talking about your intersectional identities, you're kind of looking at places of advocacy, like, okay, how can I exist in this realm or in this world without also acknowledging this part of me as well? And so that's really how um, we, I was raised, at least within my family, is knowing what these different social upbringings look like and also becoming from you know, a family who identifies as people of color, you know, we'll throw that out there. The, the act of inequality or inequity is built into our everyday lives. Um, And so my parents are young parents. And so they, my first act of social activism was, you know, I was a baby and they brought me to like a KKK rally in our area, but I was a baby. So, you know, they left me in the car, which is fine, (laughs) but that was, you know, like (laughs) the first, like, okay, my parents, you know, my dad, you know, did things when he was in high school, my mom did, did things in her sense. And so, the idea of like activism, which we really talk about and throw around that word now is we kind of look at it as um, performative. So we hear that a lot, right? Like in, when we're talking about activism, especially right now, we hear, okay, well, you're like, this is really performative for you. And I think to really strip around what that is, is like, okay, yes, there can definitely be forms of activism where you're doing things maybe just for the attention. But I think you also need to kind of give a little bit of due process where it's needed and that not everybody is given the opportunity to be encompassed in areas that have that reality of what activism looks like. And so there's no definitive definition of what what is activism because you can define it in any way you want, but to do it in a way that is kind of, I don't think I'm answering the question, I'm sorry, but- No, this is great. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, but to to do it in the sense that- you know, To like I'm add value. Is, Yes, exactly. And my biggest area of oh, why did you want to be a lawyer and why am I not in law school? Well, first of all, it's expensive. But second of all, <laughs> is because I've always had the idea of wanting to provide a platform to give others a voice where they otherwise were silenced. And so how do you do that? Right. And so my way of doing that now is to provide accessible opportunities for those who didn't already have them. And so typically with the population that I serve, we are looking at, you know, youth who maybe don't have uh, two family households or are on different type of government assistance or whatever it may be that's in a defining moment of, you know, this opportunity youth. It's not to say that opportunity youth are there to be taken advantage of, but rather to open doors of accessibility that they otherwise weren't granted the access to. And what does that look like? We provide 
um, opportunities for high school dropouts to receive a high school diploma or a GED, and then to also expand in opportunities for post-secondary education, because I've always been taught that no one can take education away from you. It's always going to add value, no matter in what sphere you're, sphere you're in, and whether or not you use that is completely up to you. But to at least provide the access and opportunity to take advantage of that, that is no one can take away from take that away from you. Um, so mm-hmm. we, of course, um, my my job is I actually um, I cover two uh, nonprofits in my in Michigan and then another in Tennessee. So that's kind of where my role. Um, is currently playing a role, playing a piece in, which is why it's like senior program director. I don't know titles or whatever. I'm just here to help. She's the manager. <laughs> we can do it. I'm a manager. <laughs> no, but it's I don't know. It's crazy. Um, you know, COVID plays a huge role in it because I I attempt and purposely put myself in a position to work with communities of color because that's the community that I'm a part of. So I always try to put myself in a position to, to give back to those communities. That's not to say that I don't purposely try to help others that not are, that are not part of that community, but because you can recognize where you see yourself in, that's usually where you typically stray to at first. And then of course you expand and moving in other areas, but it's because it's like you're used to working with who you know. So then from there, you can then build on that foundation and see where you can grow. But um, COVID hit, um, our community is especially hard, and that's from you know lack of trust when you talk about healthcare or um, an access to you know the right resources. And you know I saw that a lot within my community, especially you know personally. You know I did unfortunately uh, lose someone to that tragedy, and it's it's not talked about enough as an actual tragedy. And so we're really dealing with a lot of different tiers of what, you know, inequity and inequality mean, because, you know, those are two different things. It's, we can have uh, inequality while also existing in a form of inequity. So yeah, we can be equal, but are things done and proportionate to have equitable, equitable, you know, opportunities. And so that's what I'm overall, you know, maybe one day we'll change the world, but one step at a time (laughs) is my goal right now. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's, it's a really good way to look at it. And I like what you said too, about how, when you're getting into social issues and like, you kind of gravitate towards what you identify with and then kind of branch Mm -hmm. out from there. Like our second question was really like, how do you identify social like issues that are really like the most important to you? Because sometimes I feel like it can be overwhelming just because there's so much wrong with this world. There's literally so many issues. So like sometimes it can just be extremely overwhelming. I agree. And that's something that I think everyone can really work on because it's easy to see something that's personally affecting you, but it's difficult to kind of put a different glass, you know, some different glasses on and say, okay, well, this is an issue that may not be affecting me. We know this is the empathy that we all talk about, but this is like, okay, this is may not be affecting me, but it's affecting, you know, my, my colleague or, you know, a friend of mine, or maybe even a complete stranger. And I think that's something that as a society we lack. And it's something that I know I personally have seen. And I've even, I'll take note, you know, sometimes I may not be as susceptible to understanding a different situation because I don't know what that's like. And I think, you know, opening up to forms of injustice is being able to maybe not put yourself in someone else's shoes, but at least to provide a, a, a place of understanding. And I think that's the place that we always have to start in is that just because it's not affecting you 
doesn't mean that it's not affecting someone else or many other people. So for example, we look at, okay, now that we see acts of social injustice happening on a large platform with social media, well, you'll hear from you know communities of color and black people that you're just seeing this now because it's on camera, but in all actuality, this has happened and this is written in history, um, in our history, right? And so that's really where we try to kind of tear away what we may have known historically or as an upbringing and try to create a different narrative that is more encompassing to, you know, a larger group of people. So I would like to get into like some examples of like ways you can make an impact because for example, like with social injustice issues, like racism, you can read the books, you can donate to organizations, but like where, like, how can you go above and beyond? And like, how do you find ways that you can help, I guess? Right. Um, so I know for myself personally, like in college, I was really engulfed in that type of involvement and engagement just by choosing classes I took. But also we can kind of recognize the privilege and not everybody has access to post-secondary education opportunities like college. Um, so it can be hard. I will not say that it's easy because finding ways of expressing justice and doing it in a way that is playing it safe without causing, you know, an uproar or everything of that nature is hard. And what we has what we saw a lot when there were different issues of injustice is that, okay, which is the right place to donate? And how do we know that our money is actually going to go to a good place? So honestly, sometimes I find it difficult to donate money because I enjoy, or I'd rather put my time into something because I think your time holds more value. However, of course, you can't really do anything without having the financial stability to do it. Um, So I'm not going to ease something into that and say that it's easy or, you know, negate it to being, you know, oh, just figure it out. Uh, But definitely opening up conversations like this one and talking to different community members. I work closely with our legislatives. So I um, work closely with my local state representatives. And so fortunately, I'm in a position where I can kind of leverage those relationships and say, what kind of town halls can we host? Or what kind of town halls can we encourage involvement with youth? Um, Because that's usually what we see lacking in that, that engagement with our youth. Because really, those are the people who are going to be elevating themselves to be put in a position to make the decisions. Because right now we see uh, this different age gap. I'm trying to be very careful with my words. We see a huge (laughs) age gap in our representation that doesn't always represent the larger population. And so so I always try to encourage those to, biggest way to use your voice is to vote, right? But sometimes it's hard when you see opportunities where, okay, we win the popular vote, but the electoral vote and how do Mm -hmm. we explain that? But to really just take things out of the basics is just do simple research, ask questions because there's no such thing as a bad question, but there is such thing as asking the wrong question to the wrong person. Because a lot of times we think that people of color or black people want to be explaining themselves about the Mm -hmm. same thing over and over again. And it's not their job to educate us on the responsibilities that we have as the public to educate ourselves. Um, So definitely never rush into anything. Take the time to sit back and really 
try to focus on maybe an organization or a specific cause and then do research on that. That's my biggest thing because, you know, I'm online shopper. We do reviews, right? So I'm always mm-hmm. going to look at the reviews, always going to do my research there. So why can't we do the same thing when we're doing things of trying to engage in different forms of justice? I agree. And I think too, like just with, of course, the George Floyd murder last year and everything mm-hmm. that kind of came out of that on social media, I I also kind of learned like kind of research the companies that you're shopping at because where your money is going could be directly funding something that you're completely against. Like you don't really know until you do the research. I think, I think last summer is when the 15% pledge started. I don't know if it was before that, but I think it was like 2018. Oh, was it? Okay. I think it's been around for a little bit. Yeah. So I, I heard about that. So I think Sephora does it. Target does it. Um, basically they're dedicating 15% of their shelf space to black owned brands. So I think Mm. researching there and like putting your money where your values are, I think is super important too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what are, what kind of experiences do you guys have? Because we're in like different realms, right? Right. Like I, I'm, I'm sorry, Jordan, I'm not too familiar with your, um, background, but I know you went, you went to MSU as well, right? Yeah, go green. Yeah, um, yeah. But so I just am curious, like, what is your guys' experience when it comes to um, even having conversations? Because all, even when we say activism, activism doesn't mean that you are out in the streets protesting and, you know, doing things of that nature, because there's also danger associated with that, especially mm-hmm. for, um, for communities of color and Black people. That can be extremely, you know, life-threatening. So activism doesn't always have to be and like we know right but activism doesn't always have to be the extreme of of a protest or activism so I'm just curious of what you guys your experiences with that I mean I feel like my experience I've been so lucky to have you as my friend because I feel like I've learned so much just you've been so involved in college and I feel like I've kept up with so many things because we've had just like we just talk about things, you know, like I think having a friend where you can talk about things and learn from each other is super important. And I think that kind of trickles down because then I've had like tough conversations with my family. It's kind of trickled down to my sister because I know she's now very passionate about certain social injustice issues too. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, I'm just like, so blessed to have you in my life because just having conversations I feel like is seriously so important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think like Maddie and I bitch about social media a lot. (laughs) We do too. But but, like it also is a good place to learn about what the hell is going on in the world. Because if Mm -hmm. you follow a lot of people in different communities and like the 15% pledge, like the woman who's created that, that account, like all of those things are accounts you can follow and like fill your feed with things that will actually like benefit you and hopefully trickle down to society as well. When you take action based off that information. Right. But I think like what resonates with me a lot is the conversation around, like, we cannot continue to depend on the minority to educate the majority. And like, Mm -hmm. I just think that that's something that's so, so important that so many people don't fully grasp or just like have not come to terms with yet. Like It is not like the responsibility of people of color to teach me what it's like to be a person of color and how to be an activist. And like, I want to create spaces for people to feel comfortable and to like have Mm -hmm. those conversations and to learn, but we also can't 
like just rely on the minority to like right. educate Tell us what us. to do. And I think that, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, and I, I think that that's a big problem. Yeah. That's, that was a really beautifully put minority with the majority. Love that. <laughs> um, but no, I completely agree. And I think there's a difference, right? Because there's a difference of having that dependability on someone versus having maybe just the foundation of like curiosity, right? Because there's always a space, read the room, people read the room. Like if we're having read a Twitter thread room. and right. And we're talking about it on a Twitter thread, then Hey, ask a question, but you know, that's what I always tell people. And I feel like, like you said, social media, it's kind of like a love hate relationship. Like I love it, hate the addiction, love it when I'm on it, but Mm -hmm. regrets after. Right. Um, but that's like a huge space to, um, like I'm in college and this is something I'm sure we all are familiar with, but we really talked about this term called storytelling and storytelling. We can think of it however we want, but storytelling is is offering the opportunity for that first person narrative to really give their story without the input of someone else. Or it's, you know, it's like your own form of an autobiography because you're able to really explain, you know, your situation or your story or however it may be, but that's how we learn. And that's how we can gain the most knowledge from people and pass along information that maybe we weren't familiar with before, or even just sharing a simple story of uh, an experience that you've had or whatever it may be, because that is where your like your biggest area of opportunity to learn is coming from. It's from those first-person storytelling opportunities mm-hmm. where before that, how else were you really gaining any sort of knowledge and what people are going through or the type of experiences? Mm-hmm. And, and I am very thankful that there is a platform where people can really kind of give exposure to instances of injustice because without that, we've really never been able to hold people accountable for their actions in the sense that we're able to do now. Yeah, that's so true. I think like talking about social media, it can be such a hard place to be on when it comes to these issues. I mean, if I just scroll through comments on like a post or something on Facebook. Oh. It's sickening. It's sickening. I'm ready to, to see fight. Horrible. Literally. <laughs> I'm like, what are you people doing? Like, why, yes. why are you doing this? But obviously there's people that have very, very strong opinions. So I think I've struggled with this, but I'm just curious to know, like, how do you navigate conversations with people, people that you maybe don't know, or people that you do know, and you're close with, uh, that don't share your views? you know me, so you know it's hard for me, very hard, because I have no problem. I have no problem telling it, you know, how it is, straight value, whatever it may be, but in my field, I work with and am exposed to a variety of people, both from all political backgrounds, socioeconomical, race, gender, however it may be, and so I know for myself, I will always be strong in who I am. I will never be um, apologetic on who I am. But at the same sense, I have to come to an understanding that not everybody has maybe had the same exposure as I have, or some people really just aren't willing to see the other side of things. And there are instances where just save your breath. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I haven't typed things. So that's different. <laughs> it's, it face, ugh, Facebook will get me. She's in those Facebook comments. <laughs> yeah. I, so there, there were some, because sometimes if I see someone like on a family member's post or something like that, I just, 
just go off. My mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've definitely had to take a step back because I used to be much more vocal socially, if that, if that makes sense, uh, than I am now. And that's just because um, of who, like the status that I'm in right now and kind of where, who and what I represent. You just have to be careful. And that's not to say that other, I'm encouraging anyone else to be like that because please speak your mind. I just, unfortunately, <laughs> am in a position where I cannot always do that. However, that's not to say that it's not difficult. So, you know, I have family members. I have friends who think very differently than me. And I was at a point, especially during the election where I was kind of like, well, if you just don't see eye to eye with what I'm saying, then we don't need to be in each other's lives anymore. And so of course, you know, my mom's like, Faith, you need to chill. This is your family. <laughs> this so is your it, family. <laughs> I said, no, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, I just, um, mute them on Facebook. And that's, that makes it a lot easier, yeah, but that helps. yeah, and that, that's all you can do. And really at the end of the day, you, you cannot, this is my issue. I cannot control everything, but mm-hmm. I can control my own narrative and what I do and how I do it. And that's all that you can do. Um, but that's needless to say that I, I don't waste my breath in, in spaces where it's not needed. I'm going to save that for myself mm-hmm. and fight a fight that actually makes a difference. So that's why I work with you know, our legislation and I work with people who actually can make decisions because if I'm not speaking to a decision maker, then there's not a conversation needed to be had. Wow. We're going to quote you on that. That was a really good quote. Cause I feel like that's so true. And like, that's, it's so hard because like you want to sit your asshole uncle down and just like have <laughs> a full blown conversation, like pull yeah. up a whiteboard. But at the same time, like I, I fully get what you're saying. And it's like figuring out where you can make the biggest difference in a way and like the best way possible. And I remember vividly, we were doing a, I want to say it was sexual harassment seminar at work, something involving like sexual harassment, sexual assault. And we had this like pamphlet up and it was about like how to intervene if you see an inappropriate situation. And And it was kind of like applying it to anything. Like if you see someone say something inappropriate or racist Mm -hmm. or like homophobic, how do you intervene? And so many people at my company were like, we don't know. And I don't know if I'd say anything and I don't know what to Uh, do. And it made me like so upset. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm just like, like, I'm very similar to you, Faith, where like, I will speak up like quick when when this stuff happens. Yes. And like, Mm -hmm. I just, feel so passionately that like if someone is in a position of power authority in any way whether that be like white privilege whether that be the status mm-hmm. you have at a company like use it to your advantage when right. inappropriate things are happening and it's like oh I just I get so frustrated because I want people to just like stand up for what's right. right but at the same time like I can't control what other people say you know Oh, exactly. I'm right there with you because sometimes I'm like, well, why doesn't this stuff happen to me? And I'm always like, I'm always told like, well, no one would try that with you because it's like, they know like, Hey, but I just want them to do it just so I can release (laughs) this energy because I, you know, I see things or or someone will tell me, yeah, this happened to me. And I'm like, well, why didn't you say something? And I just kind of have to say, okay, first chill. They're expressing themselves to you. So you need to just calm down. But also that just because someone doesn't react the same way you do in any type of given situation, doesn't mean that they weren't doing things to Mm -hmm. maybe deescalate a situation or 
however it may be, but sh- don't try it with me. That's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> don't try it with me. Don't, don't. I think another thing too, that kind of ties into this too, is just like how we were talking about like doing your research, social mm-hmm. media has so many different things, just so many, so many different views, so many different yeah. articles, videos, just everything, like literally at the tip of your fingers, you can just see it all. But like, how do you filter the information? Like, how do you know kind of like what's real, what's fake? Do you have any like go-to sources you, you like, or like how to navigate that? I guess. Yeah. And I'll also say this, I, I pick and choose what I expose myself to because there is such thing as internet trauma, right? I guess you can literally like that, right? So when, you know, when there were the videos being, or when there are videos being circulated of, you know, different forms of injustice or different experiences with someone that involves either a place of inequality or racism, whatever, sometimes I have to recognize for myself, like, okay, this is going to trigger me. I cannot watch this right now. Or, and some people will say, well, that is such a privilege to not, you know, for, to not be able to watch something, but no, it's not because mental health is huge, is so huge, especially when we're talking about activism and especially when we're talking about communities of color, because mental health is not talked about enough within our communities. And I'm speaking from, um, you know, a Latino or Latina community where just more recently within the last few years, are we really even talking about mental health or substance abuse and what that looks like? And so you sometimes have to pick and choose the kind of things that you expose yourself to, especially when there, you know, maybe aren't trigger warnings or there aren't, or, or when there are things happening so consistently that it's almost like it's just beating you down along with everything else. And sometimes that's just too much. That's too much for a normal person, let alone someone who maybe has experience and in, in something like that before. Right. But to really answer your question and, and how do you maybe legitimize the information that you see. I think that's kind of uh, what we're coming down to is there will, you'll usually will find other supporting documentation to go along with what you're seeing or what you're reading or something like that. And so that's typically what I like to do is if I see something on one, maybe a news site, or I see something floating around on Twitter, I'll personally kind of try to find something else that also maybe relates something similar, or I'll maybe wait a couple of days and keep watch on that situation to see if something comes up of it. Uh, but it is hard because you, there's something happens. I'm sure there's a statistic to back that up, but I'm sure there's a situation that happens every so many seconds. And it's like, okay, how do you kind of filter out the reality of things versus the, again, that performative essence, or just something that's trying to get you know views because we're all about associating worth with numbers right now. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that's really just the best way to go about it. And to also listen to, you know, the truth of people when, when they're attempting to give it to you. So it's hard. It's not easy. I try to avoid certain news sites. <laughs> um, yeah. because I, I, I see that that's sometimes best um, and really just take it from there. But I, I like Twitter guys. I do like Twitter (laughs) because, and let me just plead my case because, (laughs) um, because like I said, I'm going to take it back to the storytelling piece of it is that you're getting the first look 
from straight from the person. I don't have to read an article. I don't have to read like a, you know, the BuzzFeed always covers what's already happened, you know, but I get to see it right there and see the interaction as it happens. Um, so that's sometimes I'll just go and there's like a news tab on there. And sometimes I'll go on there and when you do something like that, it allows you to see all of the articles relating to that specific topic. So it makes it easier to kind of filter through maybe what's real and what's not because you can see everything in one area. So um, sponsor me, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's typically how I would do something like that. And then just, it's easy. I guess I'll say it like this. It's easier when you kind of have some background knowledge on what you're reading or looking at. And that's kind of, I know you guys ask questions like, how do you, um, like reading examples or watch or something, stuff like that. And the best and most informative book. Um, okay. I already said it. So let me just keep saying it. There's, <laughs> there are others, but this is the book I always give to young adults especially like someone like my brother who is 21 and in college and is a Latino and big and you know just all of these different um, identifiers is to read uh, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander because it specifically speaks on um, you know black men Hispanic men white men and, and the statistics that follow them and it's he's more susceptible to being pulled over late at night than I am because mm -hmm. he's darker than me and he is large and, and tall and maybe carries different stereotypes that are more susceptible for him to be stopped on the street or stuff like that. And so those are the type of foundational pieces that I always encourage people to at least, you know, watch 13th, watch a, watch a documentary, watch a YouTube video. Not everyone wants to just pick up a book and read. Okay, fine. I'll read it to you. There's Audible and other sponsorships, <laughs> sponsor cool girls. Sponsor us. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's just things like that and trying to ease the difficulty that can sometimes be associated with activism and social injustice because it's already heavy. Right. And so how do we kind of strip away the heaviness that's always inevitably going to be there, but to make it a little bit more manageable for someone to navigate through, especially as maybe a first timer. So welcome to social injustice. Wow. Hopefully it's not here to stay. Yeah, let's hope not. I think having <laughs> conversations like this helps always. Like, what would you say to a woman listening right now who wants to get involved like how were you inspired to get involved and what would you say to people out there who really are ready to take that step Ooh, good question I will say that that's hard to answer for me because I like I didn't choose this right but <laughs> that's just really kind of the reality of it but if I was encouraging someone to you know, not be fearful of really the unknown. Um, and sometimes it's kind of hard for me because I'm, I'm like, why didn't you care before? But that's kind of going along with that understanding and not everybody has the same access and exposure to the things that we see. And that's just like how kind of it was for me in college. I was in a program. Well, okay. We, I went to Michigan State University, which is a PWI known as predominantly white institution. And the program that I was in was like 
the perfect example of what a PWI was, right? Because I was one of 10 Hispanics in my entering class. And so I would sit in these classes and my major was social religious and policy. So that is really this whole podcast, right? And so I would be in these classes and they would say, well, this is the first time I've ever, you know, been in the class with someone of color. And I was like, what? Wow, what the heck? What? That's or, you insane. Because, yeah, we talk, and because we, we're talking about topics that are involving communities of color or history. And we're talking about real history here, right? So, like the actual firm, not written in your history books type of history. And I have someone that's from a small rural town in Lord knows where that's telling me that they've never seen someone that looks like me before. And in the same breath, I'm the spokesperson for, because in my class, right, I'm maybe one or one of mm-hmm. two people of color. So we're kind of like the spokespeople for all things related to black and brown people. Well, first of all, I'm not black. So I will be damned if I'm going to speak for someone or speak on the experiences of someone who is, but I will of course open up a foundation and a space to allow for them to do so. But for people like that, and those experiences, because I've had the experiences with people who have, you know, who are like that, who maybe have never been exposed to issues, know, social person, issues in general. Anything. I mean, there's environmental <laughs> racism. Hello. Anyway. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I went off topic. I apologize. But to, to that, I would just say that I think listening to something like this is a great first step. It's so great because you have the interaction, you have different um, backgrounds and different experiences from three different women who come from different areas and who maybe have different exposure to what these issues look like. So you can kind of get a great roundabout of what and how and when and where to navigate these type of spaces. But as someone who typically likes to do things like visually, and I like to be, do things that are tangible. So I like to read, I'll, I'll pick up a book and do the research, but not everybody's like that. And so maybe watching a video and watching um, the Atlantic post great uh, forms when it comes to topics such as this, they post great um, short clip videos or different articles. Um, Tanahasi Coates has some great forms on the Atlantic as well that really um, kind of expand into a lot of these topics as well. So that would always be my first push and in place of encouragement. And then always, I know it's hard because we kind of said, don't depend on, you know, minorities to, you know, give you the scoop of things, but I don't know, we're not bad. You can be our friends. <laughs> and I think that's a great, you know, that's a great space to do it and, and, and befriending and at least being willing to, because that's the first thing, right? Is you have to be willing to learn because if you're not, and you're just doing something to maybe try to prove a point, don't waste people's time and don't be disrespectful to someone else's time. Because like I said, time is, time is important and time is expensive. And so if you're willing and able and in a position where you're, you know, open to the opportunity, I mean, just take one step forward and go from there because you can't, I won't say you can't do wrong because there's definitely wrong that could be done, but <laughs> definitely just take it in a sense of one step at a time because uh, it's a lot and it's overwhelming and you're not going to learn everything overnight. So just maybe start in a place like this where you're learning or talking or listening to a podcast for the first time can always be extremely helpful. Amazing. 
Well, thank you so much, Faith. This information was all so valuable. I'm so excited for this podcast to come out. And guess what? This is coming out on Faith's birthday. So go wish her a happy birthday. (laughs) I'll be 25 when I, when we're listening. (laughs) Just kidding. We lost two years of our lives. I'll be 23. Yeah, we did. I love that. It doesn't count. I'm doing that. It doesn't. No, I'm just starting over. And that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want to stay up to date on everything for the Cool Girls Only podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Cool Girls Only Podcast. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletter at coolgirlnews.com. All of our information is linked in the show notes. We would also love to hear any topics you're interested in or any guests that you think would be a good fit for the show. Feel free to send us a DM on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time. Cool girls.